You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're headed to L.A. here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation, as well as at Dime Magazine, and you can follow me on Twitter, at BrendanClean14. Most importantly, though, please follow our show on Twitter, at Suns, where you can participate in a pretty fun little uh, ranking I threw out there on the best moments of this playoff run, whether that is the Suns and Four meme or what we saw DeAndre Ayton do last night with the Valley Oop. Um, yes, I'm recording this Wednesday night, so that is where I am sitting. Um, joined today by Charles Mockler of Locked On Clippers. We did a crossover show. I think you will love it. He gave the Clippers side of things. Um, I tried to make him feel a little better because I do think this series will be competitive. We'll have to see how long it goes. No Chris Paul, uh, I'm sorry, no Kawhi Leonard, and yes to Chris Paul. So different different uh, set of guys on each side, but obviously, as I said at the top, we are headed to Staples Center, so we break it all down. What does the Chris Paul return mean? What do the Clippers need to do to win? What surprised us? Um, just a good conversation. He's a great Clippers follow on Twitter. The show they do, Locked On Clippers, is, of course, fantastic as well. So let's dive right into it. Enjoy this crossover show, Locked on Suns, Locked on Clippers. Get into it. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It is only worth it if you enjoy it, and we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Enjoy the crossover. But let's just get into it right now. We're all, because of this insane schedule, Brendan, I think you can identify with Clippers fans too, is none of us are really processing any of these amazing moments that are able for our teams um, to happen. Game two was insane. Um, we all we all know what happened in game two, and I'm sure we're going to hear about it later. What are you particularly concerned about from the Clippers coming into game three? Feels to me like game three is going to be the one where Ty Lue and the Clippers finally just really lean into their small ball, which... Mm-hmm. Seems lazy because that's what they've basically done every single series. <laughs> but I'm still, obviously, the entirety of the fourth quarter is what's on my mind. But as I think about, you know, game three and start to move away from the insanity that happened in Phoenix, I just think about Nick Batum playing 16 minutes and yep. Terrence Mann playing 19 minutes. And while I get that Patrick Beverly was really effective in his run, I think that adjustment was smart. I don't really get why, especially with Marcus Morris hobbled, that we did not see more small ball from the Clippers. Now, it's the last second play that ends it. Results kind of can dictate a lot of how we see these things, but it just it's hard to wrap my mind around. It I mean, Clippers fans are would be in agreement with you on that. We we all kind of chalk it up to fatigue. It that has to be the only reason that um Man and Batum aren't playing more. And I'm not afraid to say that they have to play more or the Clippers are going to have a very Difficult time in game three. It's interesting you mentioned small ball. In 10 um, small ball minutes in game two, the Clippers were plus one. And surprisingly, they were totally even with Zubats um, out there on the floor with Aiton. I'm not really – I hope we can do the small ball lineup because we absolutely need it, and that's kind of such a big driving success um, for the Clippers. And we also need 
<sighs> PG to he was so good up until two shots where he was very much not good um, against the Suns in yeah. game two. Are you worried? There was an announcement um, today that he and his fiance are expecting their third child. Are you terrified of expecting father Paul George perhaps in game three? That's a gear that some NBA players really tap into. That's true. Fred Van Vliet made uh, several million dollars off of having a child. Um, Usually the opposite direction. Usually people spend money when they have a baby. Somehow Van Vliet uh, got, got a bigger payday out of it. I, I do agree. Like Paul George was great and continues to be great basically this entire postseason especially the last four or five games he is the guy that I am most scared of obviously I think that goes without saying on the Clippers we heard Ty Lue say going into game two that he would guard Devin Booker more he Ty Lue basically lied to all of us that didn't really happen oh yeah he really didn't at all <laughs> he didn't do it basically in any spot i literally don't even know if he did it i don't have access to the 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 type of data that can prove that for us but um if that if that adjustment happens i think that is a pretty obvious um advantage for the clippers it's asking an unnecessary not unnecessary i guess it is sort of necessary but um pretty insane amount out of george to do that but they, they they're gonna need a little bit more i think um perimeter defense and it's hard to find where that'll come from, but it may it may just have to be that George does it a little more often against Booker or Payne. According to excuse me, according to stats.nba.com matchup data, Paul George had Devin Booker for a whopping fifty three seconds. So okay. that that will have to go up. Well, in the campaign thing, I mean that goes into what we're afraid of from the Suns. You mentioned perimeter defense from the Clippers. Um, Marcus Morris is very much not one hundred percent. I think everyone can kind of see that right now. I am still terrified of campaign. Did you expect, I mean, I, you know, I know campaign is definitely not the player that the Chicago Bulls deemed not an NBA player or whatever they said um, years ago, but did you expect this kind of outburst from campaign? I think it'd be lying to say anyone did. Right. But I think, (laughs) I think the crazy part is like, I've been kind of preaching the 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 gospel of campaign all season i thought mm-hmm. people just even if the suns had a national tv game or a big win or we would get these pieces at you know websites or whatever breaking down what's the key to the sun success i thought people were still underestimating i think that they just thought of him kind of as a meme frankly like how yeah. cool of a story it is and whatever and it's like I think we can get too far down the rabbit hole with that stuff. And I think some of it's happening with Reggie Jackson where it's like, you know, oh. the story of, oh, he's a minimum player. He's Paul George's friend. He's been so bad for so long. It's like, okay, can we stop doing that and just do the, he's really freaking good at basketball right now. And so <laughs> I was expecting it that Payne would have a better series, a better postseason than, than I think like a lot of people would have guessed. But I mean, the way that he's beating guys off the bounce and just scoring like it's nothing is insane i mean i don't really even have an explanation for he's fast as hell he's crafty around the rim but he's doing this against elite defenses for three straight rounds now it's uh it is probably one of the biggest stories of the playoffs bar none yeah i I think you're right other than reggie jackson i think those are kind of the two competing stories for what the hell is this guy doing right now um in a good way this kind of goes for both of us 
the bench battle has been very much um, in the favor of the Suns, mostly because the Clippers have to deal with Rajon Rondo and Boogie Cousins getting bench minutes. Um, are you expecting the same thing in game three? Like, what do you think could slow down from the contributors in the Suns? Because they're, they're looking really good right now. Yeah, a few things. Actually, I think this is one area where the luck could flip to the Clippers. I and mean, we all know the mm-hmm. the whole idea of like, you know, bench players, role players play better at home. So that should help just guys making shots. Uh, although, you know, for the most part, the Clippers have made their threes. That hasn't necessarily yeah. been an issue. Um, but you I would ex- only made six last game, which when I looked at the box, <laughs> oh, board, man. It broke my heart because I was like, this is that's a game to steal. Man, I did not even see that. <laughs> that is and to only generate 26. Yeah, I mean, the Suns offense was not great except for pain, really. And 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 eight and yeah. kind of finishing. Um but yeah, so I think like, you know, a guy like Luke Kennard, a guy like Terrence Mann, who haven't really been impactful much of this series, could you get a bigger game from them? I, I would think yes. Um, and then on the Sun side, like what could get a little worse? I would say the we haven't really seen, except for some Cousins post-ups, we haven't really seen the Clippers like go all in on attacking Dario Saric, like making yeah. the Suns pay for having him on the floor. Same with Camp, with, uh, sorry, with Etwan Moore. They did it a little in game one. Um, but if you just really go all out trying to to blow those guys off of the court, I think you can. I mean, frankly, I don't think yeah. they're really playoff players. Um, so if the if the other guys on the Clippers continue to score and maybe do it even better and go at the Suns' weak pieces, I think the bench could really flip toward the Clippers and um, they can win those minutes where I would say that Booker and Payne won't be on the floor, but I do think we're about to get into the big news, and it might be that Payne is actually in that bench unit, which obviously changes some things. It absolutely does. We're going to talk about what CP3 means coming back um, for the Suns coming up in just a few moments. But first, Brendan, why don't you (laughs) let us know what the what some people are maybe wondering the Michelob ultra moment of the week is. Yes. The, the ultra moment of the week is an easy one this week. Uh, something, you know, we try to, we try to talk up the joy and the happiness that different NBA moments, different sons moments sure. can, can give us. I can't even explain to you. I don't want to, to lay it on too thick, but the vibe, <laughs> the vibe in that building after Deandre Ayton made what is now being called the value. Um, was nothing short of insane um he didn't even believe what he had just done i don't know if many people in the building did we we had like three to four separate cheers break out as different parts of the realization of what had just happened came together of like okay he made the shot okay it it's going to count uh and the referees are approving it and whatever on down the line, there was a complete separate cheer each time. So, joy, uh, easily, <laughs> easily the biggest moment of the sun season, and all of that. Um, it's only worth it if you enjoy it, as Michelob Ultra loves to remind you. At only two point six carbs and ninety five calories, you uh, you get you, you get the you get the drinks going. You get the moment like DeAndre Ayton gave us, and 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 good things happen. Enjoyment isn't the end game, folks. It is the whole game, and that is what Michelob Ultra is reminding us all of this postseason. All right, welcome to uh, CP3 is back, I guess, is what we're calling this segment. Um, Brendan, I'm going to let you take this one away. How How's the feeling with CP3 coming back in a return so poetically for the Western Conference Finals in Staples? <laughs> Poetic, yeah. Uh, very weird. Very weird that the, that it would be the Clippers that, that Paul 
would play. Well, uh, it had to be. I think I think there was only one way this was going to go. The only no thing, the only thing that would have been more poetic is if his ex-teammate James Harden awaited in the finals. So that that's <laughs> right. gone. But yeah, it it sounds like we we didn't have Suns practice availability today, so we didn't get to hear from the folks involved. But Chris Haynes um, had to report Woj and Dave McMenamin over at ESPN had to report that. The expectation, all things considered, is that uh, Paul will be back and that he passed his cardio test that he had to do to get cleared with his like heart and conditioning and all of that after mm-hmm. recovering from the virus. And yeah, so that was the final checkpoint. We can assume he had to, to get a couple negative tests before then. The the and the weekly uh, like how many guys tested positive in the NBA thing came out and it was zero so that means he was yeah. he was off he wasn't the list the literal one <laughs> exactly so yeah it sounds like Chris Paul will be back and um, I don't know how much it really changes defensively I think that the Clippers should still be able to score and generate threes and and Paul George should be able to do his thing I, I don't really think it actually changes much there. It's more just the Clippers um, defending this Suns team with all the ways that Payne and Booker and Aiton have already sliced them up. It's just adding another pick and roll creator. One of the best ever is uh, is is tough. Yeah, I'm my other co-host uh, William Updike and I were texting about this. Now with CP3 coming back, not only is that scary for the spacing and for the mid range game, and of course the clutch moments maybe that uh, Chris Paul will have to do with campaign now gets to play against the Clippers bench, which I, I mean, he's able to blow by Paul George. He's able to blow by Marcus Morris. I'm not really sure how that's going to go um, for the Clippers. When CP three comes back, are you, you know, you kind of mentioned in the first segment that the Clippers bench might come back to earth, but now is the sun's bench a little rejuvenated that you're, I mean, maybe second best scorer is <laughs> at the moment now moved down to the second unit. It's not going to hurt, you know, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that Payne um, clearly adds something. We were talking, I was saying, you know, Etwan Moore is somebody who can get attacked. I guess I, you know, wasn't thinking super clearly. I don't imagine he'll really play if if Paul is able to go (laughs) full, you know, full minutes. Moore was not really a part of the rotation at all, except for these moments where Paul had the shoulder injury against the Lakers, and then he had this this COVID absence. Otherwise, Moore is not really a guy who's going to be on the floor. Um, so yeah, I think it makes it easier for the Suns to win those minutes. I do think you know they Paul and Payne will play together. Payne and Booker will play together. The Suns don't really treat him as a as a typical backup. So I think that's right. something where it it could just sort of even things out. But I also think that might be a part of why Terrence Mann might stay on the bench. Maybe you match him with Payne. We thought he'd be the Booker stopper, but if, if Beverly's going to get some of that, then maybe Mann can be a guy who you put on on Payne in that second unit and try to have at least one of those two guys on the floor to stop the opposing creator as often as possible. But uh, yeah, I mean, if Payne keeps playing like this, it's <laughs> it's a three-headed monster that's pretty pretty ridiculous. Yeah, a very random three-headed monster at that, but I'm sure Suns fans will take it. Um, if yeah, you had you told me, Mann. if you had told me at the end of last season when we had the stoppage that Cameron Payne and Chris Paul would be the two guys in a playoff series with Devin <laughs> Booker next year, I, uh, I don't know what I would have said to you. I probably would have like fell over, but that's where we are. I mean, same with Terrence Mann and Nicholas Batum. Um, those two guys have been insane. Terrence Mann, I think you're right. I think he needs to be 
on campaign more. He just needs to play more in general. Um, you mentioned kind of Bev on Booker. The Clippers went physical with Booker and managed to hold him to, a, I mean, his worst shooting performance of the year in uh, game two. But the issue is you have Bev and Zoo and drop against Booker, which is great. But then there's uh, this guy named DeAndre Ayton who can really kind of pick up some slack in the post. What do you think the Clippers can do to maybe slow him down? It's the golden question. I, I, yeah. while, while adding CP3, which just makes it, you know, it just adds a whole nother variable. Yeah. I mean, Clippers fans will know that Chris Paul makes your life hell by being able to make literally, <laughs> literally every pass, right? Like yes. it makes it impossible to guard because any adjustment that you make, he is going to find an angle on you in the pick and roll that you're just, giving up by nature of like the way that people's bodies move around. Like he just finds it. And that, that obviously makes it tough. But um, look, I think the, the answer for Aiton is, I mean, the kind of the typical thing we hear against a lot of stars these days, which is just, you know, you got to mix it up on them. You have to make them think you have to make them work. I think Zubats actually like should play more than he did in game one, but probably less than he did in game two. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a happy medium there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because I think, like, you saw Zubats got four offensive rebounds, you know, a double-double. He had that block on pain at the rim. Like, he made his presence felt, I think, but yep. Aiton was playing with better energy than him, in my opinion, and, uh, you know, is is so... has such good chemistry with these ball handlers that... You just have to throw off what the Suns are doing. So yeah, the Beverly on Booker thing, that's the type of player that always is going to give Booker trouble. But uh, to, to you know to make Aiton work on defense, I think that's something the Suns are really worried about is if he's having to close out to Batum a lot, if he's having to worry about Marcus Morris, if he's having to do a lot on defense, he's not able to get down the floor in transition, he's not confident, he's not comfortable. That's kind of, I think, the blueprint. But look, it literally has not happened in any game this postseason for the most part. So easier said than done. That is very fair. This is an area where the Clippers are absolutely missing Serge Ibaka because I yes. think Serge Ibaka in this series, the series is going to be close no matter what. But if Serge Ibaka were healthy, I mean, obviously in Kawhi Leonard, um, but even quote unquote just Serge, that's just it's having a, a true stretch five to have Aiton try and deal with out there would be phenomenal for the small ball lineup. What do you think of the idea of Patterson playing more? Is that even anything that could work? I think that's something that Suns fans would maybe want. Um, <laughs> okay. Be, like, so, I mean, so like, that's what's, but the fact, like, I think the fact that you're asking that question, cause it's not an insane question because the Clippers need bodies, right? Like we're giving Boogie cousins. I mean, yeah, he only got three minutes, thankfully, but he was still minus two. Um, given Rajon Rondo 17 minutes, like the Clippers need bodies. Um, Patterson seems to only play good defense literally against Anthony Davis. That's the only time he seems to step it up and play physical. Um, but with Ty Lue, I mean, dude, who knows? <laughs> sure. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, if things got real wonky, um, I don't know. One thing that's going to be interesting, you know, there's the meme kind of going around of, you know, uh, Rondo on CP3. Wouldn't you, as I don't want Rajon Rondo to play any more minutes in this series than he has to. Are you in any way thinking about Rajan Rondo being able to potentially thwart Chris Paul? I I get why the Rondo minutes are frustrating to people, but I think um, it seems to me like he should probably be out there a little bit just because, again, the body's thing, and you, yeah. you want to have somebody who can 
kind of do something with the ball. He made he missed that layup late that was really brutal in the last in the He's fight. shooting like 41% on shots at the rim in these playoffs. I'm not even joking. He like cannot make layups. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not great. I I didn't get why they had him trying to guard Booker in the first game at all. That was that was weird. I think in general it's probably a a a, a limit. I, I I agree with you, I think. Like man should be taking most of what Rondo is playing right now and just try to have man's energy and physicality on defense do something. And I think threes and defense and Paul George is probably the recipe here. So while I get the, oh, yeah. the value of Rondo, it's like, to me, you know, do you need like a, a, a table setter? This isn't really that type of team, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's, and he was brought in to supposedly facilitate the offense and everything like that. But as we saw last game, there were times where he would just hold on to the ball, run a, like way too many seconds off the shot clock and then end in some kind of junky shot. But Maybe it's a fatigue thing. Hopefully we can move past it. Coming up, we're going to be giving our predictions for game three, what's going to happen at Staples. I'm talking the biggest surprises so far as well. But first, everyone knows there is an ever-increasing number of makes and models for automobiles. It is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counter person orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, which is so many years in online years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On and their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And now that my car is fixed, Brendan, where can I bet on sports? That would be betonline.ag, which is the fastest and, of course, the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. We got the NBA playoffs, honestly the most fun part of the year to bet on because these games already (laughs) feel incredibly tense add to it add to it um and yeah, and make it out to anyone who bet the spread in uh, game two make it uh yeah make it even more tense i don't even know what i would have done if i actually was somebody who had money on that game on top of everything else <laughs> but right but i like to do a bet of the week uh, or a bet of the day on on these and the clippers series price is actually plus 550 that seems like very Oof. good value to me that yeah, it's a big overreaction bad. um so Head over to Bet Online for odds just like that, as well as sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Do not sit on the sidelines. Get into the game as teams prep for their run to the NBA championship. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or their mobile app. Make an account, and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On. That's all one word to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. Again, that's Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome to the overall series thoughts. Brendan, you mentioned in that bet online read that you think it's a bit of an overreaction for the Clippers to be plus 550. Do you what's your prediction for game 3? Do you think the Clippers how do you see game 3 playing out in your mind? Clippers returning home to Staples. 
I still have a hard time believing that this series is going to be short. So mm-hmm. I frankly was pretty confident the Clippers would take one, if not both, in Phoenix. Um, oh, wow. Suns fans, I don't think I've ever said this because I live in fear of the fan base that I give content to. But Well, they'll beat the hell out of you. I, um, <laughs> I actually thought the Clippers would win this series in six. Um, okay. I don't really... You, different I, reasons. I don't really... Ha- I didn't really have a great answer for like why I was so confident. I just thought there were a lot of things that the Clippers were going to be able to do that um, the Suns would just be different than what the Suns had faced. I thought the Clippers' depth was better than the Lakers or the Nuggets. I thought the Clippers' shooting was better than either of those teams. Just the strengths that the Suns have had over the course of the season um, weren't going to be there. Obviously, my feelings on the series are a little different now, now that the Suns have won. Not right. plus 550 <laughs> for the Clippers different. But, um, right. but yeah, I think if you if you can get better results out of the small ball lineup, if Morris can, can, can maybe work his way back into health and... Uh, you shoot better from the line, and then you clean up some of the mistakes overall. I just, look, we just got after, it, it feels so huge that, that the Suns won game two, but we could easily, just as easily, have been walking away with a 1-1 series, right? So this has been pretty razor thin. Yeah, it's, and you know, it feels like even, I think the Suns would be up, it'd be up like four points or something like that in game two. And the Clippers Twitter was like, oh, this feels like it's teetering. And it's like, this is a two-possession game. Um, this is not out of reach in any way. Um, I saw people tweeting that the Suns crowd with like nine minutes to go in the fourth. It actually might've been in the third and the Suns were up like six and somebody was like, crowd can feel this game's about to get out of hand. I'm like, what? (laughs) What are you? I mean, maybe the crowd felt confident, but this game is nowhere near out of hand. It's, it's been tight all along. I'm telling you, it's the every other day scheduling. No one knows how to process what is happening um, in any rational way. I think game three I think it hinges on two things, really. Um, it hinges on Paul George being able to put up 30 points. Um, it hinges on Marcus Morris's health. If Marcus can actually, like you said, get that mobility, get into a little more of a feared defender status as opposed to a guy who's maybe gimpy, so we should go at him. I think it makes it a lot harder um, for CP3, too, just in case you know they're looking for those switches, because I won't be surprised if they are. Um, and then just man and Batum, I think we're going to see man and Batum both over 20 minutes. Um, there, I mean, Terrence Mann was right at 19 last game. Batum was at 15, did hit his one shot. So that was efficient, but <laughs> the small ball has to be there. I think you're totally right. We got to draw, we got to draw Booker out, excuse me, eight and out. And then we got to find an answer for campaign, which some people have thrown out. Maybe the Clippers bench unit plays with some more zone. I'm not hmm. entirely sure how that would go if campaign is on the floor with Devin Booker and CP3. If there's if two of those guys are out there, the zone seems like not the best idea um, from my perspective. But it's going to be a dogfight. I don't think the Clippers are out of this at all. Um, I think there's a very real chance they take, I mean, at least one of these games at Staples. The crowd's going to be pretty hyped up. Um, Kawhi, also, some people have been asking us about Kawhi. I don't think he's going to be back for these Western Conference Finals. Um, really? Even if it even if it goes seven. Um, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to rush coming back. He has his own medical team. Um, he's, you know, he's thinking of the long run. And just some from of the, the scuttlebutt that I've heard, there doesn't seem to be a whole bunch of, um, you know, progress that would suggest that we're going to get a Woj bomb tomorrow that's like, oh, 
Kawhi's returning for game four. Um, it would be great if he's fully healthy, but I'm not, I'm not totally sure it'll happen. But I think the Clippers might be able to take this one. I think I wouldn't bet the spread, even if it's like the spread is four points. Um, I wouldn't take the Clippers on that. But I have no reason to believe that it won't come down to the final possession again. I think that's totally fair to say. Yeah, to me, a lot of it comes down to it's so weird to say for a team that has scored the ball pretty well, but it, it comes down to the Clippers offense for me. It's like, can yep. can you make eight and switch? Which they just haven't done. Um, after watching what they did to Rudy Gobert and having him exposed trying to guard smaller players, it's been a surprise to me that we haven't seen the Clippers be able to do that. Um, I think some of it's obviously that the Suns have the length and, and wing depth to make up for space and rotations in a way the jazz didn't but also i just think you got to try you got to try harder to do it and if you can get the ball popping around a little bit off of those drive and kick situations and then you know even if ayton's maybe not the one trying to be you know guarding reggie jackson out there or something if you can get him to where he's having to close out on a nick batum close out on a marcus morris and and recover and all that that's where obviously no seven footer is going to be feeling comfortable in that situation. So uh, if the Clippers can can share the ball a little better, get that offense moving and and expose some of the defensive warts that the Suns do have, they're not a big team. Like that's something that you can yeah. do to them. Um, I think that we could see, uh, you know, 110, 115, 120 point night from the Clippers, especially at home. Oof, I mean, I hope so. I can't believe that last game was so low scoring. Um, Got to keep Booker in check. I was really... Really bummed that they couldn't take advantage. Uh, I mean, they almost did of Booker's probably worst shooting night um, so far in the series. And then real quick, let's close out. What's been the biggest surprise of this this series for you? Could be on the court, could be off the court. Um, you know, Clippers and Suns fans have both been long tortured in different ways for a very long time. Um, but what's been your biggest surprise? That's a good question. I mean, I think, I think the obvious is pain. Um, yeah. Just the way that he stepped up. He really wasn't much of a factor my... The guy I do um, my Monday shows with on Locked On Suns was he found this stat that I hadn't seen, which is that the that Payne scored 28 points in the entire series against Denver in that sweep in the second round, and he had 29. Oh my god! Last night. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Which is you know it's a little bit of a misleading one because he was really good against the Lakers too. Like he just didn't. Oh, for sure. He just didn't have to do much against the Nuggets, but just that number is just like holy crap. Um, but I think it's also been a little bit of a surprise how poorly the Suns have shot, which is, I think, probably another opportunity for the Clippers. Like, I think the Clippers shooting has been more reliable in this series. So, again, maybe Booker doesn't necessarily play as poorly. But if you can keep making the Suns uncomfortable from deep, then, you know, that's something where it can be an advantage for L.A. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, I think my biggest surprise from the Clippers has been, I mean, and this is kind of a lame one, I guess, but how much Ty Lue has had to adjust. Um, we've been frustrated by his rotations, but I'm not really sure what else he's supposed to do missing effectively um, three starters and Marcus Morris, Kawhi Leonard, and Serge Ibaka. And then having, you know, like we talked about a little bit in the last segment, if everything was healthy, these this bench battle is a pretty epic one. But right now, the Clippers don't really have it. So I think I've been surprised by the adjustments, and I've been surprised that they've worked. Um, we're down 0-2. I don't think I'd feel this calm. It's obviously because of the last two series, but I mean, we're happy to be here. Suns are happy to be here and I'm happy it's competitive because right now I think Paul George, especially showing a bunch of uh, just incredible 
resolve and resiliency. So I think that's probably been my biggest surprise so far for the Clips. I have an, a question that I think is an eternal one that maybe can help, yeah, help us wrap up here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's pretty simple, but is why can't Kennard just play more? Man, okay, so you <laughs> and a very small uh, contingent of Twitter users from Ohio uh, are wondering that. I mean, we're wondering that too. We do a segment um, on Monday is called the Luke Kennard Progress Report because there was there was a couple games where Luke Kennard was playing great. And then we were like, oh, this is cool. We just gave him that borderline could be absurd contract, depending how next season goes very early. And we wanted to talk about it. And then, you know, some days we'd be like, Luke Kennard played it, came in, played 15 minutes, went three or four from three. Like, we really needed it. And then there'd be like three weeks in a row where it was like, I don't know, Luke Kennard hung out on the bench and <laughs> gave some good high fives. Like, I think I think one of the reasons is because early in the season, Ty Lue was experimenting with a very shaky Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard lineup for 10 games, which mm. shockingly did not work out defensively <laughs> um, or really offensively, honestly. Um, and I think Luke was kind of put in the doghouse because he maybe didn't have as much familiarity with the rest of the team as Reggie Jackson, you know, with PG and stuff like that and Lou Williams at the time. Um but other than that, I couldn't tell you because when we need shot making and Rajan Rondo's out there and he hits, you know, Rajan Rondo is hitting his threes, but they're, they're just very spiteful and they don't, they almost feel unneeded. Spiteful. But Luke Kennard came in, he had 10 points in that fourth quarter. He was plus eight in the fourth quarter. Like he, he spaces the floor when he's a little more locked in on, you know, being that hustle guy on defense, it's really valuable. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. He played 18 in game two, but I think that might be his ceiling for game three. But hell, depending how it's going, we might need him for 25 minutes. Yeah, it just felt like when he was out there in that fourth quarter, it was like, huh, you know, what they could do he's got this. Fresh legs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like he's got fresh legs. He makes good decisions for the most part. It's just been hesitancy. Um, that's kind of been a theme, too. But yeah. But who knows? Yeah, I not to open a, another can of worms there. I was just like looking at it. I was <laughs> yeah, like, what no. else is that? what else is standing out to me? I was like, he just really did look comfortable out there in the fourth quarter. But I get it. I yeah. get it. He um, stayed ready, which has been nice. That's the good thing is that when he's been out there, he's he's been ready. Um, well, Brendan, this was a very fun crossover pod. Um, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Um, I think we're all going to be very stressed out no matter what happens. Um, the morning that this comes out, getting ready for game three. Um Brendan, where can these fine listeners listen to Locked On Suns to get fantastic insight on our current Western Conference Finals opponent? Yes, if you want insight from the other side of things, just look up Locked On Suns wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14 for some perspective as well. But uh, yeah, I think this series is is not going to be over soon. Let's just put it that way. Well, uh, I agree, and I am hoping that is the case as well. Um, Thank you, all everyone, for listening so much. We will be back again at seven in the morning um, for our each show's Friday episodes until then. Hey, here's to, you know, maybe no more technicals being given out after the whistle's blown. Goodbye, Scott Foster.